Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 2. Next to the last sermon in our Gifts of God series, looking at Genesis 1 through 3, getting a, a, a running start into Genesis 3.15, the first mention of the coming Savior, which we will look at the night before we celebrate the coming of that Savior. That's what we've been building up to uh, all these weeks of Advent, uh, basically. We're, we're Baptists, so we're sort of Advent light, but we, uh, we talk about it and we, we look forward to the coming of our Savior. We look, coming for the, look forward to the coming back of our Savior, too. We celebrate what He did and we look forward to what He's going to do. Uh, our memory verse for this whole 13-week series will start in John, uh, the, I guess it's the third Sunday in January because the prayer and praise is January 8th and New Year's Day in the Activity Center on January 1st. So we'll be looking at, at John starting January 15th, but this is our memory verse from the book of John. Ooh, nope, John's still on there, so I didn't give anything away. Let's say it together. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The, the, we observed His glory, sorry. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Beheld, that's probably, oh, I'm sorry, yes, John 1.14. I got to thinking about the beheld and observed. I'm, I guess I'm going back a translation, huh, when I say beheld. Tells you how old I am. And how some of y'all are, too. Is it the same number of letters, too? Because you got the blanks. It looked like beheld fit. I'll think about that later. That's too much math. Genesis chapter 2. The gift of relationship. We're talking about this morning, the, the creation of, of woman. Uh, well, and we, man's done. Uh, now we're going to talk about what... God did and why God did what he did when he created Eve. But it's more than just about the existence of, of a female. It's about relationships. God has gifted us with relationship with other people. Relationships with other people, those are gifts. Even for you introverts... What I meant to say was even for we introverts, we have to have people. I'm looking at some of y'all in the media booth. You know who I'm talking about. Um, some of y'all sitting out here, y'all know who I'm talking about. You, you're, you're good with, with by yourself, and that's okay, and, and, and you need that recharge, but you need a relationship with a person. They're a necessity. As a matter of fact, that's what Scripture is telling us here, is that relationships are a necessity. Some folks need more relationships. Some of y'all need like 50 people, and you need them all the time. And what is wrong with you? Some of us, we're a couple of folks and we're good. Three or four or five, all right, we can do that. Ten, okay, you're getting on my nerves. I'm sorry, you're getting on our, I'm not speaking personally here at all. 
Some of us need a lot, some of us need a few, but we are created for relationship. We were not made to be alone. We were created to have relationships with other people. And any deviation from that is a result of the fall. Are you an extreme introvert, like can't go out in public? That's, that is not the way you were made. That's a result of the fall. I'm not saying it's a sin, but I am saying it's a result of sin. Cancer is a result of sin. It, you may not have gotten cancer from a sinful act, but is still a result of the fall. Our broken relationships are a result of the fall. Genesis chapter 3, what we're going to look at a little bit on Christmas Eve. We're going to talk about this later, but there are going to be some hard conversations we have today about relationships. We're not going to like everything that Scripture tells us about relationships. Because some of us don't need anybody else, we think. And if that is your thought, you're going against the way God made you. Because he made you for relationship. It may not be with a lot of people. And it may be that the one person you had the best relationship with and the only relationship you ever really wanted is no longer here. And that's even harder this time of the year. I don't really get it because I've never had anybody other than grandparents, never had anybody that close to me that I've lost. But that's not the end of your need for relationship. And we're going to talk about that as we move this script, through this scripture. Our focus this morning, relationships are a necessary gift that makes those involved better. We cannot miss that in Scripture this morning. The relationship that God created for Adam, the relationships that we are supposed to have with people, the intention is to make each of us better. If you're in a relationship that doesn't make you better, you really need to work on that relationship. And if it's a relationship that is easily severable, and I'm not talking about your marriage... I'm talking about just people in general. You might need to sever that relationship if it doesn't make you better. Nope, not telling you to, don't go. Michael said, if I'm not happy in my marriage, get a divorce. That is not what Michael said this morning. Okay? That is a different thing. That is a covenant that you promised to keep. That is something else. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but not, not as much as you might want me to. But relationships are a necessary gift that makes those involved better. And for Christians, that means more Christ-like. So that means that our relationships have to be very intentional. We have to be very careful about those relationships that we make. We have to be careful, young people, about who you date, who you choose for a girlfriend, either at 13, 14, 15 years old, because you don't know how long that relationship's going to last. You don't know where you're going to be in five or six years and what your feelings for that other person are going to be in that length of time. And if that relationship is not one that helps you grow in Christ, then it is not a relationship you should be in. That's in Scripture too. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, gets us started this morning. Then the Lord God said, 
It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. This passage is about creation, but it's all about relationships. Now, we've talked about the, the days of creation and, and how chapter 2 seems to do some things a little differently. Again, we're, uh, the, the, the seven days of creation and what was going on there, whether the creation was in exact order there or chapter 2 was or maybe neither was, they both have their purposes. What we don't see is any real contradiction here. We just see it happening uh, on a micro scale instead of a macro scale. We're getting a close-up view of what was happening versus this uh, seven-day order uh, in chapter 1. But God is telling us something more about, in both chapters, something more about his creation than just how he did it. We get a lot more of the why than the how. These aren't science textbooks. God didn't tell us how he made man from dust, what went into that process. He just says, you know, I made him from dust. And by the way, you're going to go back to that one day. So we begin our first point with a why, the purpose of relationships. And we see that in verse 18. We have in verse 18 the very first not good. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Everything else, chapter 1, he created it, it was good. He created it, it was good. He created it, it was good. He created it, good. Created it, good. Created it, very good. And now we get to chapter 2, verse 18, and God looks and says, it is not good. Now, God was not shocked by this. Okay? God wasn't sitting up there watching the animals do their thing and watching Adam and thought, did I forget something? Where's that make a woman kit? I was that, it wasn't that sort of response. He didn't look and go, well, Adam looks sad. He needs, no, 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 no. He knew from the beginning. Adam didn't know it wasn't good. Notice this was directed by God. God knew it wasn't good. And because God wasn't surprised or confused and had not messed up his plan or gotten things out of order, he is telling Moses to write this down so we know that he knows 
that it's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to be outside of relationship. Being alone, loneliness, has never been good. Even for the introverts, loneliness is not good. There is time for us to be alone. We introverts need that recharge, get it. But we are not to be lonely because it's not good. It's not good for us to be out of relationship. That's one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest pains of homelessness is the loneliness. As folks age and friends and family die off, loneliness, that's, that's why we need friendships. That's why we need a church family to come alongside us in those times and walk with us so that when we lose loved ones, we lose the one that we had that relationship with that, that meant the most to us, we're not alone and we're not lonely. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Loneliness isn't good. I will make him a helper corresponding to him. That word helper may be, I won't say it's the most misused word in the Bible, but it is up there. It's top five, definitely top ten of misused words. We take this, some of us sometimes, and say, man was almost perfect. There were a couple of things he couldn't do, like make sandwiches, like vacuum. He needed somebody to help him do that. He was Superman. He needed his little assistant sidekick to kind of take up some slack so he could do the important things and carpets could get vacuumed and sandwiches could get made. And that is, at the very least, we'll say wrong. And at the very worst, blasphemous. That we would take God's creation and lower it to such a point. Because this word helper, first of all, in, in the CSB, the, what I'm using, it says a helper corresponding. That word corresponding is actually sort of a mirror image. See, it, it, that's not an assistant. That is something that is almost exactly the same, but just, I started to say just backwards. <laughs> That doesn't help my cause here at the moment, so I'm not going to say that. But it looks like, acts like, does everything in very similar ways, but with some slight variation. The word helper here actually doesn't mean assistant or pick up the slack or do the things the man doesn't want to do. It actually means someone who is equal in usefulness and need or and in necessity. Just as important as, it does mean picking up the slack, but it's because he slacks. He's a slacker, and she picks up the slack. I don't mean that as negatively it sounds. There are some things that he can't do. She fills that in. 
She is more than just, you do the things I don't want to, uh, want to do. You do the things that he can't do and certainly can't do on, on his own. Well, if I stopped there, it still sounds like she's just kind of his assistant taking up the, uh, he, he can't make a good sandwich, so she does it. No, this word helper later on in the New Testament is the same word that's used for God helping Israel in their time of trouble. Now, is God merely an assistant that picks up the slack? Israel is actually superior, but God just picks up the slack and does the things that they can't do? The answer to that question is no. This also doesn't mean that woman, women are superior. doesn't mean that women are God and, and, and men are Israel and we're incompetent and we've got to have a woman to take care of us. That may be true for some of us, but that's not what Scripture intends. What this means is that woman needs man and man needs woman. I think they used this particular word for helper here that is used for God in the relationship to Israel and other places not to make women seem superior, but to tell us immediately how important the husband-wife relationship is, how connected they are, how complementary. It's not a very popular word today, complementarianism. And I'm not talking about a compliment like, you look nice today. Compliment, that has an I in it. Complementary has an E in it, and it means the two pieces fit together. That's exactly what verse 24 is going to say. Those two pieces fit together. Wink, wink. Okay? They go together. Women are not, and men are not, merely assistants to the boss. This word also carries with it, and we're going to see this in chapter 3. This word helper also means deliverer. It's a deliverer. Woman is a deliverer that saves from solitude, from loneliness. The wife... The woman in this case, Eve, was a rescuer of Adam. She was needed by him. Why? Because we need relationship. We were created for relationship. Fast forward to the New Testament. It's why the church is called a body. It's why the church is called a family. Because every part needs the other part. Every member is in relationship with other members. We were not meant to be alone. Christianity is not a lone ranger religion. We are meant to do that, to do that in community, together. We aren't saved corporately, but we are saved for a corporate life. We're saved individually to be a part of a family. And eventually, the woman will bring forth the Savior. The woman will provide the deliverer, incidentally, with no man needed. Right? She brought forth the Savior 
and he wasn't necessary, at least at the beginning. Now, Joseph, I believe, was incredibly necessary as the human father to Jesus, to raise him to be the carpenter, to raise him to be the man that he should be in that culture that day, of that day, to, to be the kind of respected person in the community, in the community of Nazareth, that everybody looked at and said, wow, until he started talking about being the Messiah and stuff, and they went, wow. You know, that kind of threw them, because they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph? I think somewhere in that question is not just, oh, pfft, this is just Joseph's kid. He's no Messiah. But isn't, this isn't the way Joseph raised him, is it? I think some of that question was in there because they knew how important that father figure was in the life of Jesus. It is not good to be alone. So God created a helper for Adam. That is the purpose of relationship. Verses 19 and 20 show us the source of relationship. Again, we, we, it, this isn't out of order. It isn't like God created Adam and he created animals in verse 19. Uh, the, the better translation of verse 19 is that God, that past tense of formed, says the Lord God formed out of the ground every animal, every wild animal, excuse me. We, we read that as if it's, in, it's sequential. He created man, then he formed. But the tense of that verb is more likely, or, or works better, as he had formed. Like it's something that had already been done. He had formed the animals prior to creating man, and now he parades those animals in front of Adam. All of them, remember the sky he brought to each man to see what he would call it. This is that first act of sub subduing and ruling creation, which was the command in chapter 1 that man and woman were given. Rule it and subdue it was what they were told to do. And in this act, we see that happening. Adam naming those animals. And that's an act of, subdu of, of, of sub subduition? Sub subduing. Um, and, and ruling. But among all those animals, among everything that came by them, by him, no helper was among the subdued. Well, that's because when he creates the helper, in verse, uh, when he talks about it in, uh, well, I lost it. When he says a helper corresponding to him, there's no mirror image in the animal kingdom. There's nothing that fits that corresponding helper role. Now, uh, Adam is told to have authority over the animals, not a relationship with the animals. And, and there are folks that wonder, and there are discussions, did, were, was there death of any kind before the fall? Before Adam and Eve sinned, did lions eat gazelles and that sort of thing? Was, was there predator and prey relationships? 
The Bible does not say. So we can't say definitively one way or the other. Was man a carnivore before the fall? Bible doesn't say. It, all it says is that the plants of the ground were given for food. The trees were given for food. It doesn't say the animals were given for food. But it does say to subdue and rule. So whether we were eating them or not, the relationship was one of somebody in charge and one that would be useful to the one in charge, whatever that meant. As these animals parade by, as he names them, as he takes authority over them, not only is there not a helper found, not only is there not one found for a relationship, there's not one found that can fulfill the command and be fruitful and multiply with Adam. I know that's obvious to us, but remember that's the second command of creation to man and woman. Rule the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. Adam had to have a helper. He had to have someone who corresponded to him so that they could have uh, that relationship. They could be fruitful and multiply. And they could fulfill the command that man and woman were given in the, at the end of chapter 1. Something else we see here in this passage is that animals were not meant to take the place of human relationships. Now I know some animals have better manners and are better trained than some people. I get that. Uh, I know some of those animals and some of those people. So I understand that. But people need people. People need relationships with other people. Doesn't mean you can't have your dog and your cat and love them and all that, but if they take the place of human relationships, that is something in the place of humans that God did not intend. We are made to be relational, but to have those relationships with humans. Not a helper was found. Not a corresponding helper was found. How does it put? Yeah, no helper was found corresponding to him. Animals can't disciple you either. There's no iron sharpening iron in that relationship. We have to be, again, while I don't understand personally, I at least understand hearing from others that finding that relationship after the loss of that relationship that you had is difficult. But that longing, that hole you have, is God saying, you need to find that relationship with someone else. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. I'm not saying if you're widowed or divorced that you have to be remarried. I'm saying that you need to have a relationship where, that makes you better, that grows you as a Christian with other humans. And it can be, I'm going to be very careful how I say this, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. So when I say it can be two men, I'm talking about the friendship, the relationship, the, the, the discipleship that can occur. 
As a matter of fact, if you aren't married and you, and, and you don't want any you know, issues, uh, it's best if that's the type of relationship. But we still are created for that relationship, to be with other people. The source of our relationship. Yes, God is talking about husband and wife here. Let's be clear on that. He's talking about that type of relationship. But there is more here. And remember, any variation, any deviation from that husband-wife relationship, while it might not be a sin, it is a result of the fall. Being widowed is a result of the fall. We weren't meant to die. There's discussion about whether we were immortal, just existed immortally and, and, and we would never die, or if the tree of life had something to do with that, and if the tree was somehow endued with, with like godly magic, or, or if God just, you know, you eat the fruit. And however it worked out, we were not intended to die. Adam was never intended to, leave, to lose Eve, or vice versa. That relationship, that marriage was never meant to be dissolved for whatever reason. So divorce was never the plan. Men were never, it was never going to be necessary that a man would lose his wife and then later on have to be discipled or have a relationship with another man. Again, I ain't talking about nothing physical, I'm talking about even a spiritual relationship, that was never the intention. All of this is after the fall. You know why we need a church? Do you know why we need this community? Do you know why we need this family? Sin. We wouldn't come here and worship if it weren't for sin. Because we'd, life would be worship. We'd still be running around naked in the garden. Always worshiping God. Because we would commune with Him daily as Adam and Eve. So here we sit, this side of the fall, not the other side. And we have to, by godly provision, find ways to fill the hole that is left when we lose the one who was the relationship, the partner we had. Or we have to find ways to fill that hole when we never had that relationship. We never had that one woman or that one man because we're this side of the fall. So what I don't want you to hear me say this morning is that if you're single, you're sinful. Okay, that's, that's not at all what I'm saying. You, you go some churches, you, you might actually hear that. As a matter of fact, Paul is going to say, I wish more of y'all were single like me. We don't know why Paul was single at that time. Chances are good he had been married, and we don't know why he wasn't married anymore. We assume his wife died. But he says, and we assume he was married because he was, of the, uh, he was a Pharisee, and they were almost always married. When he says, I wish you were all like me, what he's saying is, it's better if you were single 
and a missionary or a pastor or a minister than to be married because your, 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 uh, your commitment is going to be divided. And if you're single, you can give it all to the Lord. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go home. You don't have to take care of kids. You don't have to take care of your spouse. You, you, you can focus. But you know what that is? A result of the fall. That is a... Um, there's a word I'm looking for here, and I've just completely lost it. A, a condescension. It's a, um, a compromise for a bad situation to make it better. All of our relationships, this is what I'm trying to say, all of our relationships outside of what God intended right here are substitutes. God trying to, not God trying to, God providing ways to fix what sin broke. And sin broke the relationship. Okay, the source of relationships. I think I've hammered that one enough. Y'all are might be glazing over. I can't tell. I can't see your eyeballs. All right, so that's the source of relationship. Number three, the quality of our relationships. Verses 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in that place. Then the Lord God made the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. The quality of of our relationships and 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 by quality i mean i don't i don't mean whether it's good or not oh that was a quality meal because i thought it tasted good no uh that was a quality hotel because it was very nice no i'm talking about like what it's made of the quality of something the 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 makeup of something the quality of our relationships the language here is more along the lines of we say rib, but this translation of rib it, it doesn't use it, when it says this in other places. It never means rib. It just kind of makes more sense for us to translate it rib. But what it really means is that God reached down to Adam's side and 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 grabbed a handful of stuff. That's that's what it really means. Jace loves Indiana Jones movies, and if. You remember the third Indiana Jones movie, the, the Temple of Doom, is like the most bloody and icky one. There, there's a part where one of the characters reaches in and pulls out part of the other character. I'm not going to get too graphic here, but that's, that is sort of the image that I get when, when I read this. God reached down and grabbed a handful from the side of Adam. Now... This actually makes sense. If you think about the fact that back when he talked about creating Adam from the dust, he uses the language of a potter. And, and, and we are crafted. We're almost on the spinning wheel and God's forming Adam. And then when it's time to make Eve, he, he puts Adam to sleep and he reaches and he grabs some of that clay smooths that over, and he goes over here. And Scripture says, not that he formed her from the dust, right? Am I right about this? He, he made the rib, is what our translation says, but he made 
the handful of stuff he had taken from the man into a woman. So he puts that on the wheel and forms that into a woman for the man. Same stuff. Stuff and stuff. So we share, man and woman, share the, uh, the strength because we're made of the same stuff. Like, like we, we, he, didn't, he didn't use new dirt. He used Adam, which incidentally means dirt, right? It means, or did you know that? Adam, the name means dirt. The first guy's name was dirt. And he took dirt from dirt and made dirt. Just a prettier dirt. Do you see how perfect things were before chapter 3? That, that man and woman weren't just made to go together. They were together. And then, in the words of Jerry Maguire, You complete me. That's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way God created the relationship. To, to take woman from man and then say, now, go back together, but differently from how you used to be together. Another way to see this, God took from Adam's side, this is why I like side better than rib. He took from Adam's side and made Eve to be by his side. So he didn't lose his side at all. He got his side back as soon as she stood next to him. Any other spot, two steps behind and to the right, is sinful. This is where the spouse went, by his side. It's a beautiful image. Now, if we fast forward again to the New Testament, and we don't just hang out on this because we're going we're gonna to think of the bad situations, we're going to think of the marriages that didn't work, we're going to think of the loss of spouse for some reason, and, and we're, we're going we're gonna to break down there and say, see, it's, it's a bad thing, or it's a, it's a difficult thing, it's a hurtful thing. But no, if we, if we fast forward to the New Testament, and we see that Jesus is going to say, and Paul is going to say, rather, it's Jesus talking through Paul, the gospel... The church and Jesus is that marriage. If we see what the, the marriage was, the, the pulled from the side, just stuff of the same stuff, the relationship, the helper, and we then see that Jesus is the, the groom and we were pulled, as it were, from his pierced side because we as the church have faith and trust in him. We get to be by his side. And if we see this relationship, right, Adam and Eve, the marriage, and then we see the church with Jesus, if we understand what that was meant to be, then we understand better what we are meant to be as 
a church by his side. Very literally, his helper. Helper to do what? To share him, to share the gospel, to take his message to the world. We go to wherever the message is needed. We support the missionaries that go wherever the message is needed. And they go by his side. And if we understand the beauty of that relationship and the way it was meant to be, we understand where we are and the quality of our relationship with Christ as the church. Number four, we see the pinnacle of relationships. Yes, I think this passage talks about more than just husband-wife relationships, but that is the pinnacle. That's the top. That was the most important. It's the, the family unit was the first unit God created. The, the first grouping, not the church, the family. The church, remember, was not needed. Before sin, government was not created. The church was not created. Kiwanis was not created. Country clubs were not created. The family was created. And we see the pinnacle of relationships. Verse 23, the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one is called woman, for she is taken from man. This is the first dad joke in history. This one will be called, whoa, man, because she's taken from man. Say it that way, you can kind of hear the stupid pun. In Hebrew, it's the same way. He says, uh, this one is, will be called Isha because it's from Ish. Loses something a little bit when you have to translate it. But it is the, the first, it's a pun. But it shows that unity. This is side from my side, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, clay of my clay. And he says, this is why, verse 24 says, Moses says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds, excuse me, bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. They cannot fulfill the command to be fruitful and multiply without each other. It's not going to happen. This is why they come together, because this is how God made them to come together. And then he says, and it doesn't just say, doesn't just imply, it says, man leaves his father and mother. Previous relationships are severed for the new relationship. This is why I say this is the pinnacle of relationships, this husband-wife relationship. This new relationship is a covenant of permanence. That's what he's talking about. Leave his father and mother and bonds, cleaves, covenants with his wife. And they become one flesh. Adam and Eve rejoined the flesh that was taken from Adam. And every time a husband and a wife get married, they fulfill that same thing that happened right here in verse 23 or 24. They put the flesh back together that was taken apart on this day of creation. 
So, this naturally, among many other places in Scripture, but all the way back in the beginning, there's no room for same-sex marriages here. Because that does not fulfill the picture. That is obviously not the created order. That is a result directly of sin, not just a result of the fall. You know, some things can be not sinful, but a result of the fall. Some things are sinful because they are a result of the encroachment of sin. There's no one flesh unity in a same-sex marriage. There's no multiplying in a same-sex relationship. God set it up this way. And other relationships, you know, I've been talking about it the whole time. Other relationships, though they are important, are not the same as a husband-wife relationship. Now, I've talked about it a little bit already. I'll hit it one more time. What about divorce or singleness? Divorce was never the plan. That is a a capitulation to sinfulness. Even if you in your divorce weren't the one sinning, divorce itself, even God provided divorce. Like when Jesus says, here are the acceptable reasons. It's because one partner or the other was sinning. It's an allowance. And singleness, like I said, while not a sin, wasn't the plan either. It's a result of the fall. And it is sometimes a calling for God's servants, but only because, as I said, I didn't realize I'd put this further down in my sermon, sorry, Uh, only uh, because of the division of loyalty brought on by sin. Again, it's not a sin to be single, but it is a result of the fall. As I said, being widowed wasn't the plan either. But loneliness is one of the worst enemies of a widow or widower and I am not speaking of that from experience obviously but I've heard it from those who do that that's the hardest part being alone it's not the way we were made we were made for relationships and then finally verse 25 number five the purity of relationships. This verse in this position actually serves as a transitional verse to get us to the to see how terrible the change will be that sin brings about. I mean that's the first thing they see when they sin. We ain't got no clothes on. That's why Moses points it out here. They didn't and they didn't care because sin hadn't yet entered. But I also think this is a picture of the innocence and purity of relationships, particularly pre-fall, in the relationship between husband and wife. And it's, again, it's hard to see that. Sin has messed up everything, y'all. Because when we think of them wearing no clothes, we don't think of innocence and purity, do we? No, you don't, liar. We think something, they naked. There's a joke about that. About, I think I can't say that one in church. So, But what we see here is, first of all, that husbands and wives should be transparent, honest, open, bared to each other. Not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically. It's a stunted relationship that doesn't allow for conversation and and understanding each other 
But discipleship and church relationships also should be transparent and honest and open and, and bared to each other. How can you disciple someone if, or be discipled by someone if you're not honest about where you're struggling? Or honest about where you have struggled? It's one of the reasons they tell preachers, it's kind of a both sides of your mouth sort of thing sometimes, but be open and honest when you preach. But don't tell too much, you get fired. Make sure you're transparent, but don't be so transparent that they miss the message because they're listening to your stories. Be truthful, but that's part of it. An open, transparent preacher allows you to see we struggle with the same thing we preach, just like y'all do. All of these relationships, husband, wife, discipler, disciplee, family, friends. Why is it difficult for a man and a woman to have a, a deep relationship, a discipling relationship? Well, because sin gets in the way and creates problems. All of these relationships are broken by sin. Every one of them. Think of your best relationship. Sin gets in the way. Think of your worst relationship that you still have. It's sin that's in the way. The very gift of God gets warped and perverted by our sin. But that's been the case of every gift I've talked about for the last four weeks. Sin ruins everything. So, God provided another relationship. Crazy, huh? Your relationships are so screwed up, folks, that the only way I can fix your relationships is by relationship. Adam, you're lonely. You know how I'm going to fix your loneliness? By giving you back part of you. People, your relationships are messed up. You know how I'm going to fix your relationship? By showing you what a real relationship is supposed to be. Let's go back to a pre-fall relationship. And that relationship is only found in Jesus Christ. God's gift, right? In a couple of minutes, that's the verse that's going to be on the screen. That that relationship is a gift. One of the hardest things for some people to, to grasp about a relationship with the Lord through Jesus is when we talk about God as Father. Why? Because of how awful their relationship was with their father. Earthly father. Or non-existent. And God says, I know. I know your relationship is awful or non-existent. I know the relationships you've had with people 
have not been what you want them to be. But I have a relationship for you. And I can have a relationship with you that is nothing like those relationships. He gives us that gift. Remember I said sin messes them all up. The wages of that sin is death. It, that is the ultimate mess up that sin does. We weren't meant to die, and now we're gonna. The wages of sin is death. And we can apply that death to a lot of things. The death of our relationships. The death of a spouse. The death of a marriage. The death of a church family. The death of a familial relationship. It's just the price we pay for sin. But the gift, the gift of God, the gift that heals that, the gift that fixes that, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The relationship that heals relationships is only found in Jesus. And see, I could spend a lot of time, and I won't, talking about how we look for healing for these relationships on earth in these toxic relationships on earth. Never going to fix it. Just one relationship that'll fix it. And y'all, a relationship with Jesus may not heal this relationship, okay? Just going to be honest with you. But a relationship with Jesus will provide a way to weather this relationship. It will provide a comfort and a source of strength for this relationship. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can have that salvation this morning. You accept Christ through faith, uh, you accept salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your next step. And y'all, I don't want you to hear, well, if, again, I need to accept Christ because I have her bad relationships. No, you need to accept Christ because you're a sinner going to hell. And you can't save yourself from your sin, and your relationships can't save, yourself, save you from your sin. You need to accept Christ because you need Jesus. But when you come to Christ, you are able to take on those relationships. And you know what? I'm going to give you some hope too. Sometimes... I'd even say a lot of the time, Jesus does heal those relationships. So come to him. Maybe you need to follow in obedience and baptism. Maybe you need to conform your life to Christ. Maybe you're the problem in the relationship. And the problem is your relationship with Jesus. Maybe there are some things in your life you need to get right with him so that you can have a right relationship with someone else. Submit to his plan and purpose. Join our church. Let us know how you are making a decision this morning. Messages, text us, write in on a connection card.
once you sign up for the subscribe 401, if you text back to that number, the staff gets that text. It doesn't go to the whole church. We get that text. Maybe you want to let us know that way. Whatever your decision is this morning, we're going to take a few minutes to worship and see what God does. But this is your time to work on your relationship or to work on your relationship. The altar will be open if you want to come up here and pray. If you'd like to pray with me or Chelsea, we'll be at the front. A couple of our deacons, Lee and uh, Kirk, will be at the back. I believe Justin will probably be at the back as well. Any one of us would love to pray with you. Whatever you're working on this morning, now's your time. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for the gift of relationship. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my church family. I thank you for my friends. All of them. I thank you that even for all the people that I get to be around and sometimes wish I were a little more alone. Lord, I thank you that you provide those people. Most of all, I thank you for the relationship I have with Jesus Christ. That fixes me when I let him so that I can have better relationships with all those people I've mentioned. God, I pray this morning for all of those listening that they will have a relationship with you that allows them to work on their relationships with everyone else. God, I pray this morning that they have a relationship with you whether it does diddly squat to their relationships with everyone else, because, Lord, I want them to have a relationship with you that saves their soul. Not that just saves their relationships. And, Lord, if they will be saved this morning, they will enter into a relationship that will give them an abundant life above and beyond what we can ask and imagine. And it may not look like we think it ought to look like. And it will make them a part of a church family that most of the time will love them. Some of the times, well, we're just sinners too and we fail to be the family inside these walls that we should be. Lord, they'll be a part of a family that loves them, comes alongside of them. And when those other relationships in life break down, for whatever reason, they find hope and encouragement, love, compassion, and they don't suffer alone. Lord, draw them to yourself this morning. Draw us all to yourself this morning as we, as we work on our relationship with you in this time of worship and singing and prayer, this time of response and reflection. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.